When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth. The fountain of truth about what? Well, the fountain of truth about aging. And aging has become a, a thing. It's a news story today. Every other day you hear something else about a bio uh, uh, breakthrough, something that's going to keep us younger, longer, a new procedure. Uh, the NIA, the NIH, they're all in the act. Or you're hearing about the fact that we're becoming impoverished after we retire because the stock market is going down and inflation is going up. All kinds of things in the news for a topic that you could hardly find even one article about. But we have 78 million baby boomers in this country, and most of them are just on the edge of retirement. And we just heard from Chip Conley, who was uh, one of the stars of Airbnb. He started the Modern Elder Academy. That when people retire, they cut two years, even if they're healthy in every other way, from their life, two years. So why not have that life purpose that will make sure that you have those two years? So today we're speaking to somebody who's very, very interesting and will, I think, inspire you and light you up a little bit about the direction you may want to go. His name is Vish Chatterjee. He is an executive coach. He is an entrepreneur on his own. He's an engineer, uh, but he's also a practitioner of, I would say, the Vedic approach to how we can run our lives in a very different way and maybe save those two years and a lot more. Thanks for being with us today. Adrian, I'm excited to be on your show um, and a very relevant and interesting topic and near and dear to my heart. Well, you know, before we started the show, I asked, what would you like to bring out? And there were several things you wanted people to know. But the one that fascinated me was that there are really four focuses uh, that perhaps we're missing a little bit. Or in the Western culture, we tend to pick one and think we have to make one primary in our life. And that is happening. Uh, tell us those four and why we can have it all. Yeah, so I am, I'm a, a student and teacher of the Vedic tradition, which is the umbrella tradition uh, within which yoga finds itself. So all of this yoga that you see in a, in a yoga studio is something that's being done on a mat. But there's actually an entire philosophy and system and framework for living that is much beyond the yoga mat itself. And that umbrella tradition is called the Vedic tradition. And it's the, the system of ancient India, the, these very enlightened beings from, you know, 10,000 years ago that seem to explain to us the meaning of our existence, the meaning of the universe, so to speak. And within that philosophy, there's a framework called the Purushartas, which are the four aims of life, the four goals in life. And so every human being, when they're born, there's sort of these four bucket areas that they need to honor in their life. And the Sanskrit words for them are artha, kama, dharma, and moksha. And what each of these mean is artha is your financial well-being. Kama is having fun and pleasure in life. Dharma is honoring your inner purpose and inner calling. And moksha is honoring your spiritual journey. So what I find in the Western world is we end up picking one and going all in on that. We all know somebody who just cares about money. 
their entire life revolves around making money, earning money, and they don't have any fun. They just work, work, work. Right. There's other people that are hardcore fun seekers, hedonists, and all they do is have fun, but they can barely make rent or make their payments or even save up for retirement. There's others who find this deep sense of calling in their life to do something to help the world and, and honor their inner calling, but they do that at the expense of having a stable home life, a stable married life, stable finances, stable location even of where to live. And then meanwhile, the last one is the spiritual pursuit where people become so caught up in their spiritual pursuits, they you know run away, leave home, live in a monastery and sort of abandon everything else in life that was actually uh, needed to get taken care of. Uh, so, so, you, you can, know, Vishnu, yeah. I just want to relate what you just said to modern retirement. And I want to really delve deep into this part of it. We not only have those four often focused um, in one person, but we're kind of taught culturally that each of those four things come in different parts of our life. And therefore, we focus on them. So when we're younger, it's making money, you know. But as we retire, it's supposed to be all fun. The new, you know, idea of retirement in the 60s with Del Webb, everybody had it was near a swimming pool or a golf course. And all they were supposed to do is have fun. You deserve it. That was the thing. Mm -hmm. And then as you get much, much older, um, we even talk about the fact that we, you'll be spiritual. Even if you never were before in your life, all of a sudden, bang, you're 85. You better be, you better be spiritual. So I, I'm concerned about that because there is something in this country called pickleball and everybody seems to be playing it 24 hours a day because after retirement, they're supposed to be focusing on fun, fun, fun. Now with these four though, in a world where mostly you're excess from your job, from your calling, if you had one, how do we get that back into our retirement thinking so that we're much more balanced than we are because we're supposed to be out there busy with fun. Yeah, so so that's the thing is we, you, you know, I was going to ask the question to you, how has all that worked out? And and you've already answered that question. It hasn't worked Not out. Not well, pickleball. Well. That's yeah. how it worked out. <laughs> yes, it hasn't worked out very well. And so we 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 have these one track minds. We're like, okay, I'm this age, I must only do this at the expense of everything else, and it leads to a lot of imbalances. I think you we all know about the working community and how they work themselves to death. Basically, they work themselves to, to an extreme where they have health issues. We also know in retirement where people are just focused on having fun, they start to have health issues, right? So pickleball, while it seems healthy at, at first it, glance, good. It's injuries, good. there's, there's serious injuries, right? Well, and, it's, and it also takes away your, um, your desire for that calling, which you could have at any age, because it's a deflection of what you might be doing that's really different with your time. And, and where's the outlet for all the wisdom of those years, right? If, if, if all the energy is put, in, put into a hobby and a sport, um, where is the time for the wisdom to come out in, in other avenues? So I look at Artha, Kama, Dharma, and Moksha, something, something that we have to balance at all times in life. We may do a little bit more of one in certain life stages than the other, but they all four have to be honored. So Artha basically is the idea of having a solid financial platform. So yes, in your younger years, it is working, right? You're working, you're earning, you're earning a paycheck, you're saving, you're investing, you're investing wisely. The, the idea of making long-term investments, playing the long game to make sure you have a comfortable retirement. When you retire, the financial piece is taken care of with good solid investing that, you know, took your whole lifetime to build up basically. So a, 
think of Artha as just a financial platform that supports everything else. And you have to pay attention to that. So even when you're retired, you still have to pay attention to your portfolio. You still have to make decisions on lifestyle and budgeting based on the market conditions of the time. You can't just ignore it. You can't just start having fun and not. And nobody coasts. Nobody really nobody coasts. coasts. As we've learned in the past, say, six months. Exactly. Because a lot of people who have been very sanguine about their security are worried now. And that's all over the news. All over the news. 50% exactly. now of yeah, retirees so are to, saying they're worried. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it's been a really tough market. It may be a tough market for some time to come. And so having an eye on the finances is important, right? It may not be the same as earning the paycheck, but it's still your financial platform. In your life, always in your exactly. life. Yeah. Then comma is the fun, right? So having fun. Now, in, in the younger years, people just, you know, work, 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 and they don't make time for fun. But fun is everything from uh, relationships, love, romantic relationships, going out for a nice dinner, hanging out with friends, going to a social event, going to a party, all of those things. And yes, pickleball definitely falls into comma, right. but in a balanced way, right? Now, I do want to talk about that balance when we come back. Um, when Vish is a, uh, is a coach to high-level executives and corporations, he tries to bring this balance back into people's lives at any stage, at any age, right? And yoga as a practice, as a physical practice, tries to do that. But what we're talking about here is kind of yoga uh, outside the mat or beyond the mat, as you would say, Vish. And he used a very specific technique that has to do with Vedic practices. Uh, I think it's going to surprise you what we're going to speak about next. Don't you guys go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. da 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 Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bell, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And the truth is that we still, even after retirement, have to have life in balance. And that includes, according to our guest, Vish Chatterjee, who is an executive coach. He's an engineer. He has a science background, but he's deeply involved in what he calls yoga beyond the mat. And that means a lifestyle point of view that includes four areas. That, yes, of course, fun. Uh, Yes, of course, money. Yes, of course, spirituality. And yes, of course, a life calling or what we call these days a life purpose. But what he's really emphasizing is that all four of these live together in you. They're not separate. And that's our tendency throughout our life. This is the time we make money. This is the time we have fun. This is the time that we deal with spirituality. But no, not necessarily. They're all four happening at the same time. And um, what, um, uh, what we have here is not just somebody who's a coach, but also an author. And I think that the name of your book is The Business Casual Yogi, Take Charge of Your Mind, Business, and Career. I've you know, been so excited about my own yoga practice, which is physical, and it's opened up so much for me. But this is, goes beyond that. So tell us a little bit about your book, which is available on Amazon, and how to find you, Vish. 
Yeah. So, so the book, The Business Casual Yogi is, you know, it was sort of a wake up call for me realizing that in the West, uh, yoga is seen as this gymnastic exercise that's done on the mat. And that's actually a very small piece of what yoga is really about. Um, and if you follow these principles that are off the mat yoga, it actually improves your on the mat yoga. And those principles include everything from, you know, what to eat, what's the right lifestyle, what's the right time to wake up, go to bed, how to interact with other people, how to manage your own personal life, how to manage the clutter in your house. All of these things start to become, you know, yoga in a broader sense. So it's a practice that really has uh, its fingers into more than just, you know, whether you can balance on one leg. It goes on to whether you can balance your whole life. It's now, about balancing your whole life. Very well yeah, said. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that's so interesting to me uh, is that you do use a form of astrology when you actually are coaching executives. And it's a way, I think, of you getting to their essence much faster. But it's a different kind of astrology than we think about when we think about, oh, you know, the stars and so on. It's called Jyotish. And I don't think most of my listeners know much about it. I certainly don't. So clue us in. Yeah, like many of your listeners, um, you know, I had a, a, a very healthy skepticism around the word astrology. I, I think I'd, you know, open the newspaper and see this newspaper horoscope. And I thought, what a bunch of woo hocus pocus. <laughs> right, new um, age. Yes, new age. Yeah, I'm trained as an engineer, so it didn't make any sense to me. It's like, it's oh, like, wow. Uh, yeah, right. I was like, what, what is this? And so as I got deeper into the Vedic system, so understanding yoga and the system behind yoga and understanding some of the philosophy and also the mind-body medicine system, which is related to yoga, called Ayurveda. Um, one of my teachers said, you know, when, when I was struggling with some, some difficult clients, he said, why don't you look at their birth chart? And I said, well, why would I look at their birth chart? That sounds like a hocus-pocus astrology thing. He says, no, no, the Vedic, the Indian astrology system is totally different. And so as I started diving into that system, I, the first thing that I found was the calculation, the actual math is completely different. So when you look at a newspaper horoscope and they say, oh, you're a whatever, Gemini, they're saying that because they claim that the sun was in the location of sky where the constellation Gemini is when you were born. It turns out that's not the case. The Western system is based on math that doesn't actually line up with the astronomical reality of space. So the first thing we do in the Indian system is we correct the math to the right astronomical reality. So what you see is what you get. When you look at the sky and you see a certain planet, a certain, you know, heavenly body in a certain location, the Western astrologer would disagree with a Western astronomer. But the Vedic astrologer and the Western astronomer agree. Astronomy, astronomical reality. Well, that's what we call our science-based, uh, as opposed to, let's say, a more spiritual-based practice. So yeah, at least on the math, right? At least yeah, on the math. At least on the right? math. Yeah, on the math, we're saying, okay, we're, we're looking at reality. And so, you know, I've asked a few Western astrologers why, you know, how they, how they do their work with, with incorrect underlying astronomical math. And they said, you know, the one explanation I got that was very powerful was most people live in an illusion. And so you're reading the planets for them from an illusory point of view, and it helps reinforce and helps them understand how to navigate that very illusion. So whereas, you know, in the work that I do, I'm saying, look, let's get to the truth. Let's get to what is the actual truth about your situation. And maybe it's going to shake you up a little bit because you're so attached to your illusion. But isn't the purpose of life to find the truth? Part of that dharma that we talked about earlier in the four, four uh, pieces, four aims of yes. life is finding your truth. Why are you here? What are you here to do? So as soon as I correct the math, I start to see much more powerful indications about somebody's life journey. 
And the second big thing is that we use what constellation of stars was rising on the eastern horizon at the moment of your birth and at the location of your birth. So this changes every couple of hours and it changes by location on the planet. So, you know, reading a newspaper horoscope, everybody born in a 30-day period has the same sign. Right. September, you're going to, you know, you're going to be productive this month. Yeah, whereas this is, where on the planet Earth were you born? And if I looked due east with a telescope at that moment of your birth, what actual star constellation did I see? And based on that, I can make a much more accurate assessment of that person's journey. So I'm going to give you two challenges, and they're very different, all right? The first challenge is probably what my listeners are thinking. Oh, it does sound woo-woo. It sounds out there. It's, you know, new age, mumbo-jumbo, something else to have fun with, but nothing serious. So the first challenge is you do have executives, major corporations that work with you and have you coach them. Is the proof in the pudding here that it doesn't really matter what the construct is, but it seems to be working for them? Is that uh, because I find it challenging to think about a career and then look east to the star. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the, you know, I had the same skepticism. And so, you know, early in my coaching career, I would ask, I'd say, look, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Um, And, and, and I would find over and over again, that it was very valuable insight. I think most executives are always looking to understand themselves better. They use things like MBTI, Myers-Briggs indicators, DISC profiles. There's all these self-assessment. Who are you? Who are you? Are you? And how do you lead? And so what I would find is executives that would come to me, we would start doing the the coaching work around their business. We'd be looking at the P&L statements. We'd be looking at the team, the org charts. And eventually it's, you know, five or six sessions in, they'd say, hey, Vish, when are you going to do that planet thing with me? And I would sort of look at them quizzically and say, what planet thing are you talking about? They'd say, oh, the person that referred me to you said you do this thing with the planets. I'm really intrigued. Because it's so cool, though. That's why it's, it's, it's interesting. Everybody right? wants to have it done. Yeah, I was like, well, let, me, let me see my plans. I'm like, okay, fine. And the premise of it is that you are this body, right? This being of muscles and bones and joints and tissues that also has this ego and brain and subtle mind of thinking and emotions. But there's also a deeper layer of your consciousness that in a way we don't really tap into your, your inner wisdom or your higher self, so to speak. And that inner self sort of starts to direct things that show up in your mind. And so with the, you know, with the Vedic astrology system, I'm trying to read what is your inner consciousness trying to do. And when you understand it better, you can align the body, the mind, and the soul much better. So in, in my career, and if you, if you read my book, The Business Casual Yogi, you'll see that I fought my destiny for a good two decades of my career. Well, you yes, know, I, you have patents, you have uh, many, you sit on many boards, you did a lot of blue, you know, white collar uh, life, career life, for sure. Yeah, and it was very successful, but I was fighting and kicking and screaming the whole way until I realized my, my inner calling is really to, to spread this type of wisdom and knowledge in the world, especially in the business world. And so it took me a while to make that shift. Now, had I studied uh, the Vedic astrology system earlier, I might have had a better context of why my journey was so challenging and so difficult along the way. You know, well, kicking and uh, screaming and pushing my way to the top, right? Versus but, this this but, path has been much okay. more of flow. Actually, the idea of flow, meaning that you're in the zone, you're doing something that makes sense to you, your body, everything around you, is a new way, a new way to be calmer. 
it's a new way to get rid of your anxieties. It's probably not so new because it's something that happens actually neurologically in the brain when you're doing the right thing, the right work at the right time. We come back though. I'm going to give you my second challenge, Vish. And this is yep. much more difficult than the first one because I didn't tell you something. I didn't tell you that although it was decades ago, I was an Oriental philosophy minor than major. And I know a little bit about illusion. So when I come back, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. Don't you guys go anywhere. This is the kind of salon discussion that I love to have around the dinner table with intelligent people, all of whom have different kinds of opinions and come from different places. It's a pleasure to be able to do this here with you on Generation Bold. Don't go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bow, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. And I have a very special guest with me today. His name is Vish Chatterley. He is an author. He is a, uh, an executive coach. He's a business person of his own. He is an engineer. He's got patents. He sits on boards. And he had his own struggle. You would think that it wasn't much of a struggle. He was way up there in, uh, in his career, but it wasn't feeling right. And he took another look at his life, and he turned it around. He's the author of the uh, Business Casual Yogi. Uh, and he is somebody who is very relevant, I think, to today's struggle that we're all having with retirement. What is our life purpose? There are so many books out now just on life purpose in retirement. When only a decade ago, your life purpose was to have as much fun as you could. Stay busy, stay healthy, get on the golf course, get on the tennis court, now on the pickleball court. But the point is it's all the same. Uh, don't give a thought to the wisdom you might already have accumulated and what you could do for the world because that's not retirement. Retirement is withdrawal. And to make a long story short here, you should read it in his book, he takes a look at the kinds of elements in your life that have to always be in balance and not look at one thing at a time. But now, Vish, I gave you uh, a challenge. One of the things you said was Western astrology is all wrong on the math. And when you asked astrologists, and astrology is one thing called Jyotish-style Vedic astrology that he uses to guide people to the kind of career that really puts them in the flow uh, of life and is in keeping with who they are. He uses this astrology and is Vedic. And what you said was, well, you know, when I asked astrologers, Western, why, how they can function with their math all off, they said, well, we live in illusion anyway. So I'm just explaining where the client or the person that I'm reading is within the illusion. And you said, no, 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 no. We, we have to have the right math. We have to get to the truth. That was your word, the truth. But boy, oh boy, my understanding of Eastern philosophy, including Vedic and even the Ayurvedic healthcare, is we all live in illusion. Illusion is where we are at all times. And we really don't get rid of it. 
So it seems contrary to go to the East to get away from the illusion, when in fact Eastern philosophy says it's all illusion, and we in the West say there's something that's called truth. You're on. That's the challenge. Yeah, so so in, in the book, uh, The Business Casual Yogi, in the first couple of pages, I did a definition of, you know, kind of look, looks like a dictionary definition. Business casual, noun, a style of outer dress for working professionals. So that's our illusion, what we wear on the outside. Right. Yogi, w- noun, one who seeks their fullest inner potential through yoga. So seeking your inner potential is seeking your own inner truth. And so that is the whole system of yoga, which is connected to Ayurveda, the mind-body medicine system, connected to Jyotish, the, the Vedic astrology system. It's all about trying to understand what are we really here to do? What is our truth? And eventually, maybe not right away, eventually everybody starts to try to question and understand their own unique truth. You know, when people uh, retire, the first couple of years they call it the honeymoon period, Vish. Mm. They're having a good time. They finally clean out the closet. Maybe they downsize and they don't have to fix the roof so much. And they do play, play games, meet each other, and so on. And then they get bored. Yeah. And then they get sick. And then they get sicker. And then they get old. And sometimes and, they call me. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I do have quite a few retired yes. clients that are so, looking for me. So when you intervene, period. yeah, when you intervene in that, tell us a little bit real examples of the experience. Yeah, so a lot of times, I think just the artha, kama, dharma, moksha conversation, that there's these four aims and to balance them, usually results in some kind of an aha where the client says, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that anymore. I should do more of that. Uh, So that sometimes can be the the breakthrough, just understanding the balance of these four areas of life. Uh, But you asked specifically with Jyotish how, how that has helped. And I would say the, 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 the power of Jyotish is helping understand the context of everything. So sometimes somebody is in a miserable life situation, and by seeing clearly what the message or lesson is in that life situation, it changes their framework and their paradigm to be more accepting of it, realizing that there's a lesson to learn there and a growth opportunity from that. Sometimes from the chart, I can read that this is not serving them at all. And so then they have to make a drastic change to completely change that situation. Sometimes that's a relationship. Sometimes that's a, a, a type of volunteer work or type of job or a living situation or, or home even. So it, it all depends, right? I, at the end of the day, we're, you know, I live here in Southern California. I'm very close to the ocean. You know, I go out to the beach and I see the surfers and they just wait patiently. They see the wave and the wave is just right. They paddle a little bit and that wave just carries them right to shore. Meanwhile, I go out there and I time it all wrong. <laughs> the wave comes, I'm paddling furiously, but I'm not timing it right. Then the wave just knocks me over and I'm tumbling and you know crashing in the surf. So what we want to do is figure out what are the waves of life? Which, which waves do we want to catch? And what is just the right amount of paddling to do to catch that wave in a gentle way where we have flow state? Um, and you asked specifically for, for one example. I had a, uh, an owner of a skincare business who had a, a team of people that she was managing. Yes. And having lots of challenges in, in her leadership and management, you know, letting go of one person, replacing with another, trying a different team member. And, and really the business was suffering because of all these personnel issues. And when I, you know, finally opened up her, again, looking at the map of the heavens at the moment she was born, what does that have to do with leadership and business is the question. 
I noticed that there was a certain period in her life where there's some really tumultuous energies at play. And so I asked her, I said, back in 1982, in around June, it looks like you had a very serious um, issue happen, something, something to do with violence. I don't know what it was. Can you tell me? And she just stopped in her tracks and she said, you know, I've been in therapy for years and never brought this up with my therapist. How do you know about this? And I said, well, I don't know about it. I just know that the energies were there that, you know, high probability that something very difficult happened for you. And she then relayed to me and, you know, through a stream of tears is very, very tragic, uh, you know, sexually violent incident that happened to her. And she's never been able to sort of heal from it. And I was able to relate that particular incident to her leadership challenges in the company. And so she was able to sort of talk through it, work through it, understand the reason for it, try and extract, you know, like it's almost how do you extract the nutrition from a traumatic experience rather than just sort of, you know, living with this trauma, you know, day in, day out. And so when she was able to extract that nutrition from it, it empowered her, which ended up solving her employee issues, ended up helping the business grow uh, quite drastically, actually, because of her leadership. And as a side benefit, it improved her marriage. She said, you, you have no idea how different things are with me and my husband now that I've sort of sorted through this thing. So I found that rather than using Vedic astrology as a predictive tool, it allows me to ask the right question, the deep, most important question that can lead to somebody's transformation in life. At the end of the day, the wisdom is with the client. My job is just to unlock their own inner wisdom by asking the right questions. And, you know, any good coach, well, even a financial planner, is working on asking the right questions. Uh, there's a wonderful Talmudic statement which says, why spoil a good question with an answer? Because sometimes it's the question that's more important even than the answer. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the 360-degree view here. I have been uh, at very deep geroscience conferences in the month of October. I have been looking at FDA new approved devices and things that they're looking at for intervening in biologic aging. And I've been talking to people who, uh, who create some of those devices. And interestingly enough, there's a new field now, and it's the whole field of energy. And it's full circle down to some of the Ayurvedic health principles, the Vedic principles, some of the things you're telling me about Jyotish. Uh, and the way you look at things, which you could all read about, by the way, um, in the business casual yogi, take charge of your mind, business, and career. This idea of having the right energy at the right time is something that we don't look very much at in Western retirement. We're very focused on our wellness and our health, but by that we generally mean the physical and maybe the cognitive. But do we really mean the energy factor? When we come back, we'll be talking about that. Don't you guys go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. Because I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate for my age. 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And uh, we have just covered two really important conferences. One is called RadFest, and we've had a variety of people on who were speakers there, from geroscientists to people who believe that we can become immortal. But when you listen to them, they're all saying the same thing, actually. Eat right, have life purpose, uh, be a person who is out in the world, not just wasting all of your knowledge and your talents, but be contributory. And that's a new phase now, contributory aging, not just happy aging and so on, because you can't have no life purpose and really be happy no matter how much pickleball you play, and no matter how good you look, right? So we've been bringing on people who are looking at this issue of your life satisfaction from many different angles, many different points of view. And one of them is here with us today, and his name is Vish Chatterley. He is one of the uh, eminent uh, coaches for executives, business coaches. He's the author of The Business Casual Yogi, Take Charge of Your Body, mind, and career. Hope I got that one right, but it's on Amazon. And you've got to go t- take a good look at this because it does put a lot of things in balance. And one of those things is your energy. Now, now, Vish, a lot of the listeners have had massages. They know things like chakras. They understand about energy, even polarity, because most of the people who listen to this show have been around for a while. It's not their mm. first rodeo. And they lived through the era of going to psychologists, primal screams, um, mm. and of course the Eastern influence of yoga itself, right? But you go a little bit further in terms of helping people get into the flow of life and being in the right energy space. Can you explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, so I think I think the the concept that's coming to mind for me is that the the Vedic system, the the yoga system, is not a one size fits all approach. It's not the same remedy, the same approach for every single person. Um, and I think in, in the Western world, we sort of, you know, it's one size fits all. You know, do this diet and, and you'll be healed. And it sort of applies to everybody. So I think the first thing to understand is that we're all unique. And so we need to take a personalized approach to aging. What is our own personal energetic makeup? to then make better choices about what we should and shouldn't do. What works for your friend down the street may not work for you, right? And so part of this Jyotish approach of understanding your, your, your birth horoscope or part of the Ayurvedic approach of understanding your unique mind-body constitution is then to make decisions that serve you as an individual. The diet that works for your friend may not work for you. And that sensitivity, I think, comes from a, a deeper awareness. So most of us walk around with, you know, our body and our mind and that's it. But there's a higher wisdom there. There's a higher inner inner being, so to speak. And what we want to do is tap into that inner wisdom to understand what is really right for us. Um, I just had a client a couple of days ago who went to see a naturopathic doctor and her gut instinct was, this is not a good move. Uh-huh. But she did it anyway. She let her mind overrule her gut instinct. And she ended up in a horrific situation with, you know, ingesting a bunch of these strange 20, 30 different medications. And she ended up having um, a serious health issue that came from that. And I asked her, why didn't you just trust your instinct, right? And so when it comes to the aging process and making choices about how we age, we have to kind of, we have to find a way to connect to that deeper instinct. And I argue that meditation is one of the best ways 
to connect to that inner wisdom. So there's lots of research that meditation reverses the aging process, delays the aging process, changes the length of the telomeres that, you know, the DNA strands that are yep. markers for aging. Yes. There's tons of research around that. But what I'd like to, to go even further with meditation is that it allows you to connect your inner wisdom better to make then better choices that then help the aging process as well. And for those of you who are really very right-brained and you're saying, well, I don't know, it's a little bit woo-woo, you should know that a Harvard Medical School comes out with, they're fairly expensive, uh, booklets on their latest research. And their latest research showed that stress was one of the biggest factors in dementia. Stress, one of the biggest factors in dementia. And what do they suggest? Fish, guess what? Meditation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there you go, right from Harvard Medical School to yeah. Jyotish, right? There, there you go. The connections are everywhere. Now, where do we find you? And can we get – now, this is a, maybe this is a, a, an elementary question. I talk about biomarkers and send people out to get the right kind of blood tests so that they can see who they are uh, in terms of their status of aging. What about astrology markers? who you are from that point of view, is that something that one can do without going through an entire life coaching situation? And uh, what what can they find on your website? Yeah, so my website is headandheartinsights.com. So your headandheartinsights.com. You can always just Google my name, Vish Chatterjee. So V-I-S-H and then C-H-A-T-T-E-R-J-I. If you Google me, you'll find me. Um, and yes, I do uh, Vedic astrology uh, charts for people just to understand their basic nature. In fact, that's how I first came to it was my training was from an Ayurvedic doctor. Uh, and the challenge I was having was I was working with all these executives and they would show up and take my little questionnaire to figure out what was their mind-body constitution. And all the executives self-identify as type A personalities, Mm-hmm. You know, and you, there's a definition of type A in, in the Vedic system. And so I would look and see what was in front of me. And I'd say, you know what? That is not a type A. That is not a fiery type of person. Why are they self-answering that way? And so my uh, Ayurvedic doctor uh, teacher said, why don't you look at their birth chart? And I said, oh, that's that's a strange thing. <laughs> like, why would I do that? He said, just check it. And so I'd get the birth information. I'd pull up a chart. And from the chart, I would be able to read what is their actual mind-body constitution, and when I tell them, this is what I'm actually seeing, they would say, wow, how do you really know that about me? And so then I started to think, well, if I can figure out somebody's mind-body constitution with the chart, their their marker, their biomarker, so to speak, what else can I do with this? And of course, that opened up this whole world of, of insight into the human journey and the soul journey. Well, this is just an amazing journey that we've taken together. And before we leave, we have a couple of minutes. You, you use the word that I'm actually... You're studying now, doing my research on, uh, called flow, which is a state of mind in, in many ways and, and more than a state of mind. Just define that for us because really that's what you help people get to, the, the more and more flow in their life. Explain. Yeah, that. so there's a, there's a concept in the Vedic tradition called samadhi. And samadhi is uh, the enlightened state. And there's different stages of it. Um, but somebody who basically reaches a deep state of meditation where they're no longer conscious of space-time reality and causality, sort of beyond it. So and, and any, any of your listeners that are meditators, you've experienced that state in a mild way. You go into meditation, you sort of 
lose track of time and space. And then a few minutes later, you come back and you're like, oh, where, where was I? Like, I, I don't have any recollection. That is a mild samadhi state. So the same thing happens when you're doing an activity that is really aligned with your inner soul. What starts to happen is you lose track of time and space. So, you know, somebody might be uh, going for a hike or somebody might be going for a swim or somebody might be playing a game of pickleball um, or yes. uh, reading a book and you just lose track of the world around you. You just all of a sudden get completely lost in that activity. It happens with people who are artists a lot. It happens with musicians. That is a flow state where you're having this brief glimpse of, of a reality beyond space-time reality. And what happens too, and the reason that I'm looking into it is that we're creating courses here. And one of the things we've discovered is that people are really very afraid to age. And when we uh, looked into this, the emotion of fear, you cannot have fear in a flow state. When you're doing something that you're committed to, that is the right place at the right time, let's call it, in a, in a Western vernacular, mm -hmm. you lose yourself in it. As you say, like a musician. Or I'm not making fun now. Even pickleball, people love it. And they're concentrating in the right way. And they're not afraid. So it is an amazing thing in the neurology of the brain that you cannot be in that position and feel fear. It, the neurons can't charge in for those emotions in that same way. And it's like a muscle. The more you're in the flow state, the easier it is to get into the flow, flow right. state. That's right. And, right. and so you can do these activities, uh, you know, all day long that, that get you in flow state, which help uh, reduce the fear response, which obviously helps the, uh, you know, anti-aging process. Yes. But meditation is one of those practices that's a regular practice that puts you into that same state. It, it, meditation is designed to take you into the samadhi state. The whole purpose of the yoga system is to have regular encounters with flow state on, on a, on a you know, let's say every morning basis so that your life starts to be more aligned to flow state and you start to work on that less, you know, no fear state on a constant basis. I mean, and I uh, ask you before we sign off, once again, tell us where we can find you. Yes. So headandheartinsights.com uh, or you can Google my name, Vish Chatterjee, C-H-A-T-T-E-R-J-I. And you can find my book, The Business Casual Yogi, Take Charge of Your Body, Mind, and Career, which explains a lot about yoga and Vedic philosophy and Ayurveda. And it even has a quiz to figure out your own mind-body constitution to help you make better dietary and lifestyle choices. And you can find The Business Casual Yogi on Amazon. So thank you so much. And you know, guys, now that you, uh, COVID is uh, lifted a little bit in a lot of areas, I can say this with a whole heart. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.